and uh, instead uh, respond to any uh, questions. Um, I just uh, stipulate it as we're, we're on a, this is a, a retreat, so it does require some focusing. The Dhamma is vast and uh, imponderable, and so um, we could just kind of keep the the area of inquiry down to what's actually happening. (laughs) (laughs) That sort of cuts out all the questions, doesn't it? (laughs) The interesting ones, anyway. So, um, what's happening for you? Uh, Or is there any particular points that, that in things that have been said that not not clear about how that relates, then you could uh, look at that. Yeah. Right, well with tranquility which inclining towards drifting off and sleepiness um, then it is well, what one really uh, essentially requires is, is stronger, stronger mindfulness so mindfulness is a particular um, activity of reference. So the tendency um, is for us to to adopt a particular experience. So we, we tend to fall into a particular experience, a pleasant experience or an unpleasant experience. That is, we, in a way, that, that uh, uh, set of ex- um, phenomena arise and then one is taken by them. So it can be, you know, negative experiences such as irritation, obsessive thoughts, anger, which one, that pattern arises, that particular process arises, and one is fixed by it. Um, And then then it can be, say, experiences that are nominally positive, happiness, calm, tranquility, and so on, then one gets taken by those. Um, So then, then the an experience that is actually quite positive, um, you know, one loses the benefit of it because there's not enough mindfulness to to, to 
um, keep it in perspective. Essentially, so mindfulness is the activity of referring. This is this, this is this, this is this. So in a way, by referring to what's happening, it means it keeps it in perspective. Um, So in developing um, or allowing the process of of the mind settling to, to develop, then one has to keep reference. And at first, the simplest form of reference is to purely to um, the form of things. So, the, like the, for, the length of the breath, the frequency of the breath, the, um, um, so that it's a very clear sign. Uh, the tranquility comes when one goes into the feeling of the breath too quickly. So the feeling of the breath, which may be the the, uh, pleasant, calming uh, feeling tone, and one goes into that too quickly because it's pleasant and it's basically it's it's benevolent, but we go into the feeling tone without actually having established enough mindfulness so that then the mind is captured by that feeling and then drifts, um, takes on the characteristic of that and drifts. It doesn't refer to it, doesn't as an detachment. So you have to build up mindfulness upon something that's less seductive, um, less, in, less captivating, such as the, just the, the tangible um, length of the breath, the frequency of the breath. Now you can, so if you, in terms of defining the form of the breath, you have the ending of the out-breath, the ending of the in-breath, those are the two strongest notes because there's a, a rapid or a strong um, collecting together of sensations. They don't flow, they tend to firm. So that gives the sort of sense of firmness and then you have the flow in between the two and that's, that's, that's your breath, that's the form of it. If you, if you drift a bit then to emphasize that form by sustaining an out-breath, that is you breathe out, stay with it and, and highlight it, push it a little, control it a little. So the first thing is you can control the breath. Um, then again, as you, then perhaps as you begin to, you feel steady with that, then lessening the control of the breath so the breath is, is um, you know, more allowed to, to follow its own path. Um, then the very much like the, the momentary quality of it, receiving the momentary quality of it, um, rather than uh, drifting into the, into the con- continuity of it. So one loses the, the sharpness, it becomes just the kind of slightly blurred flow. Other things you can do is, is um, counting breaths, so you actually make the mind do a bit of work, do a bit more work onto it. So instead of the mind being allowed to just sink into the breath, it has to, has to report, you know, like counting the breaths. So the mind has to do some work. Um, so all, all that helps.
If you get uh, very, very sleepy, then keeping your eyes open will help. Um, if that doesn't work, then you've got to change your posture, stand up, walk around. These sensations other than the breath, where are they, where are they occurring? Oh. Mm-hmm. Sound is? Sound. Oh, yeah. Mm. Well, the, yeah, um, so if you're looking to towards calming, collecting calming the mind, so um, probably the first thing to do is to is to establish a a sense of 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 you know, calm in terms of uh, um, the situation which may be you know not particularly centered and just learn to just receive impressions so so receiving the, the sensations, impressions, and so you, you establish a certain sense of, of stability around that receptivity. As the mind calms down, because it, uh, if it, it remains stable within that, calming down, then see if you can actually like, uh, connect the sensations to the breath, so bringing your breath into your body Breath sense, there are the, there's a pattern of breath sensations. So that's one particular pattern. There's the pattern of other physical sensations. Now, uh, although in terms of your awareness, those are their neighborhood. They're in the same neighborhood. So you can bring the two together. That makes sense. You can actually, if you like, breathe through your shoulders. And you can't do that physically, but you can, because in, 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 in terms of consciousness, tactile consciousness, they're just they're in the same, they're in the same basket, if you like. It may be that uh, um, a broader quality of attention, a broader focus rather than trying to pick up anything to the breath too specifically, just a broader whole focus on tactile sensations and just calming and settling yourself into that, into a broad focus.
before rather than trying to pick out this against that. Yeah, thoughts, happy thoughts, and are they a distraction or not? They're a distraction if they if they if you if they lead away. They they that is one proliferates. Um, So, but they are they're supportive if you go more to the mood that they express rather than the topics. So it's quite natural in a way for when when there is a sense of well-being then the mind can chirp, start chirping away, getting quite perky. And uh, almost like the need to, ex- to talk to somebody about it, to express it. Yeah. So um, then the thinking is that, is that inner, inner chatter, or inner, inner talking. The mood is fine, but if, if the mood, if the thoughts then lead one away, so we, we are getting dis, uh, discursive thoughts, speculative thoughts, then, then what happens is that it's like the container leaks, the container of the practice starts to leak away, and uh, one loses uh, focus, so that, that the goodness and the well-being that has accumulated, it's like one has spent it all. Know, it, it's spent away. Whereas if one is experiencing such a thought, happy moods and thoughts, then to contemplate the quality of happiness, gladness, yeah? just as a, an emotional tone. And um, draw that into the process of the practice. So, if one is, for example, anapanasati, meditation on the breath, <coughs> you see that the 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 quality of if the quality of happiness has arisen from um, that that process, then put that happiness back into it, into into the into the breathing, into the into the the lightness of awareness into the gladness of the mind. So when, in fact, as you, as you focus on a meditation topic, then the meditation topic itself becomes an expression of these qualities, which is joy. You don't need verbalizations. The, 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 the breath itself becomes uh, a messenger like a sign of joy, it tends to radiate, it tends to shine. 
So then, then, it, then that quality of gladness is contained within the, the sign, the meditation sign, rather than separate from it. So you go to the basis of the mood and um, where uh, body or body and mind meet is where you get the um, where the mind, you get to the emotion of the mind the mood of the mind and then you get to the subtle physiology of the body so um, those two connect that is when you get to the experiencing the subtle energy of the breath, that's the subtle uh, physiological um, body experience, that is the, the tingling, the vibrancy of the body, the vibrancy of the breath, then that is very close to the tingling and vibrancy of the mind, which gives rise to happy thoughts. It's the quality of pity or joyfulness. So if you go back toward to the, to the um, mood rather than the, the words and then contemplate that mood, focus on that mood and breathe into that mood and so that, that, the, that you bring that mood and the, and the breathing sign together. So then you will actually deepen that and then you can um, steady it because the, the, one of the problems with pity or joyfulness is it, it tends to leak, uh, scatter. So steadying it is not denying that, but actually just calming it by recognizing it's, it's, it's got a suffusive and expansive nature. It has a, it has a nature to swell and rise and swell and flow. And if you contemplate the whole pattern of that, the, the flowing and the swelling and the ebbing, and you incline more towards the whole process rather than the peaks, the highs, you, you, then, then the mind, there's a sense of greater perspective and dispassion, and the mind, could, the, the, your awareness contains that rather than um, it, uh, flows out with it, it contains it. And you steady it, and it was, and it 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 settles into something more like a uh, feeling of, of deep contentment. So that's more um, that's vaster, that's more oceanic in its spread than than joy. It's contentment or ease, and you can actually rest your rest yourself in that. When there's joyfulness in the mind and try to transfer it into a physiological experience of, of bright energy, and then try to invite your body into that, bringing your body awareness into that, so that that saturates the whole body experience, and then steady it into, into contentment.
<laughs> which one which one of you is speaking at the moment? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not. So they're not separate people. They're separate events. So um, you know, you have the sixfold sense, sixfold consciousness. There's eye, ear, nose, tongue, body, and <laughs> and and mind. So those are slightly different um, sense bases. So they're actually separate places. And they're normally kind of bonded together, yeah. but really they are—they are slightly separate things. Such as you know, the, the sight of an apple is a different thing from the ta- from the taste of it, and it's different from the, the the tactile feeling of it. The mind normally bonds them all together, but in in um, as you're cultivating um, in this way, then there's a tendency for them to be seen as separate things separate experiences. Huh? You're all right. (laughs) Falling apart is quite normal. (laughs) But it's not, but you know, don't take any of them as as people, as persons. It's not like a kind of schizophrenic experience. You know, they're not separate people, they're just separate, they're separate events. Mm. 
Yeah. Right, well, fear, fear is much more primary than the other forms of uh, greed and aversion. Greed and aversion are like the the activities um, of the you know the person, you like when the person is not getting what it want, what it wants. Um, but fear is is the thing that forms the person. <laughs> fear is the thing that forms the person. The person is. Uh, um, a concoction, something that's bound together um, to um, to create a sense of stability and security. Actually, as it is, um, there are no real boundaries. So we, you know, the experience is is, is chaotic. And um, unknowable. The future is the unknown. Uh, in the present, we don't really know. Uh, but all that one, all that can be known, is that from moment to moment, there's going to be there's going to be impingement and things arising. So, um, in order to you know to, to to kind of carve out some territory, there's a there's a, a holding pattern and a holding against the randomness. Yeah. This is what the becoming is about. Becoming is establishing a particular pattern, occupying it, taking a stand upon it. Having done so, then one must, one must hold that pattern so there's a protectiveness about it. But that the pattern of personal existence is continually being challenged the way that, say, you know, the cliffs are being continually cut by the sea. Because yeah? it's, it's only a holding pattern. It has no absolute existence in itself. In terms of um, remedying it or, or, or one's response to fear, fear is okay. Um, it, it, it's something that... The, the remedy, if you like, is faith and trust, because there is no um, there is no answer to it, and because it's true, you know, the only the only answer to it is to abandon the personal pattern as one's basis, and use and instead to base oneself upon dharma, which is not doesn't have to be protected. It's the way it is. So the sense of of um, faith and trust, because uh, is in terms of um, dharma, and so dharma has certain principles to it. The 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 things that one can be certain of there are the. Um, you like there are, there are several certainties. One certainty is death. So, whether it's now, tomorrow, whenever, 
then that's, that's certain. So there's nothing else is going to happen apart from that. That's totally safe. <laughs> you know, so we're get, trying to get used to that, that, you know, so what's this do about it? What does death mean? Death means the end of the known, means the end of the future. That's what it means psychologically. That's all we, that's all we know. We don't, you know, in terms of what, what our, our mind or emotion or psychology is about, it means the end of what we can plan and know. But actually, the end of what we can know is already here. <laughs> yeah. So, so that one is certainly left with no ground to stand upon, but then you realize actually there never was any ground to stand upon. Um, so, sort of realizing, well, you know, here we are. The, then that leads us to the other certainty, which is this, the certainty is the present moment. You know? And this is the, um, if we don't, you know, if we're grasping at, at, at fixity and at time and at, at permanence, then we don't take stock of the present moment. The present moment is, is absolute certainty, is this. That's all we really are and know. It's just, it's all we have. Um, and if one focuses and gathers oneself into this, then there's the, the realization, you know. The present moment itself is, is a mystery, it's what you make of it, and yet there is this awareness. So this is, the present moment is the door to deathlessness. And the third is, is karma. That is, um, um, one inherits in accordance with deeds, actions of body, speech and mind, and all that, we, all that is possible now in terms of what we can do, is to do good. To, to uphold what's good, to do what's good. So, you know, the, what is good is the sustaining of, uh, or is the removal of worry, relaxing the worry, uh, removal of doubt, removal of restlessness, just resting those things. So when you with fear, it's not a matter of repelling it; it's just actually resting it, which is accepting it, resting in it. So we don't struggle and fight with it. And then the fear, if you can rest into it, actually opens into a a certain unknowing, which is very spacious. The fear experience is really something clawing, trying to claw out of the unknown. And if we can let go into that, then uh, um, there is a, a liberation.
<laughs> Sit in anger and resentment. But you're not angry and resentful. <laughs> Well, well, it is similar to the other woman's uh, experience of gladness, in a way. You know what what the thing says. You know what you call it. So, so in a way, just just uh, when when the mind is is held into a certain place, then. its energies start to sort of are collected. Are, you know, one collects energy, one collects attention, and so the mind gets a kind of certain gets up a head of steam, if you like, um, because of being gathered together instead of being scattered over a number of things. Now um, and then, then it expresses that, expresses that kind of build up of energy, because it, whereas attention is energy. You follow me? No. Okay. So, um, when if one is normally occupied with very many things to think about and look at and consider, then your field of attention is scattered and and dispersed. Now, when your field of attention is is drawn together, as it's in a retreat where there's not so much going out, not talking, there's not relating to other people, then your your mind is concentrated, is drawn together. Now, so all that. Uh, energy which was scattered over a wide field is now gathered into a smaller place so you you could build up a bit of kind of of, of, of steam if you like um, and so um, one has to be careful about you know how, how how that's contained it should be calmed and steadied now what you what you the way you way that emotionally you you read that experience, the way you refer to the experience of of containment being gathered together, can relate to your um, your karma, if you like, or your past habits. So one so that the, even though you personally may not have any particular problems. Then the, the the experience of of containment has got a certain su- can feel it suppressive, so that the reaction to that is a pushing against that, which we label as anger, because it's it's a one can read one can read containment or uh, the containment gets read as a kind of frustration. You know, when it's held back, so you you may get these symptoms of of. Uh, of anger coming up, if it chooses, then it may choose particular topics. So this is quite common for some people. It's you get desire, you know, craving, and you pick out some kind of topic, you know, which and you, you know, run it through again, or some grudge, and you run that through again, you know, and you think and you think you've worn it out because you've done it twenty times, but you drag it out of the of the, of the record. Uh, cupboard again and play it one more time because <laughs> it's just ex- an expression of that particular energy of greed or of anger or something like that you know? so when, it, when it's got something to it so it's, it's a way of expressing that that particular um, 
emotional take, that, that particular emotional state. There are several things that one should consider. First of all is to, to contemplate the, the energy rather than the topic. So if your topic is a particular person that you're angry about, or you know, then, then try to focus more on the, on the mental mood, the mental activity rather than the topic. So you've got a particular rhythm and urgency and vibration in, in, your, in your mind. You can feel it. So go to the feeling rather than the, the, the thought that it, the feeling expresses itself through. So that means that you take away the, 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 the food that, that that energy uses to stimulate itself. Yeah. So then the, the energy will then be more contained. It might be useful also to not... Uh, to stop labeling it as anger and just see it as a powerful driving energy. And then if you can translate that that is um, into another um, mode of perception. So say, what does it look like? What does it feel like? Does it feel soft? Does it feel hard? Does it feel sharp? Is it moving fast? Is it slow? Do you like it? Do you not like it? So just kind of getting more of a uh, a different way of perceiving that particular energy yeah, means that uh, the normal reactions to that energy don't occur. So instead of, why am I so angry, either following it or trying to stop it, both of which uh, don't go anywhere, they don't actually give, any, give rise to any results. Um, but if you translate that 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 emotion into an energy and the energy is experienced um, purely in itself and then then your your mind finds a way of breaking out of the loop of recycling it and you can assimilate that energy into your practice well say you're, you're thinking something yeah, and then you can be aware of your there's a lot of emotion behind that. Yeah? Now the emotion maybe comes in surges, waves of it. Yeah? It's got a certain speed to it. It, it propels, it kind of surges and it sputters out and it surges again. So that's, that's mental energy. Now if you go to experience that energy first of all, so just track the energy, it goes in waves. It's say it. F- then how would you, if you were talking about it, would you call it say hot or cold? Then you probably get a metaphor. It's anger, something that's hot, something that's sharp, something that's fast. Yeah? Those would be probably the metaphors or the descriptions that would come up around that energy. It's not serene, <laughs> you know, or spacious. It's generally, you know, driving, pointed, and so on. And just contemplating like that, and then, then start to kind of like relate to that, so you feel it out. It may be that it even you get certain sort of visual things coming up. Um, it may be just doing that changes it altogether. Uh, it maybe opens something up in your mind. 
but so, uh, but once you've established it uh, as as an energy pattern, so it's rather like reading it on on on, on one of these kind of radar scopes, you know, sort of this jagged line thing. Um, then start to re- relate to that, you know, rather than looking at it numbly or feeling confused by it. Start to try to relate to that energy in a way that's um, you know kindly, that's receptive, that's so you're not fighting it, you're not antagonistic, so you don't build up more uh, negative energy around that, try to bring some positive energy into it, make friends with it. So it's, then it's not a problem, it's just a phenomenon. Um, yeah, so you, you have a particular set of, um, say, tensions. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I think the general rule of thumb is that uh, when you get these kinds of impingements that you first of all establish your meditation topic and, um, if you like, use that as a reference point and, you know, bring your en- let your energy be centered around that. So it tends to draw um, energy away from uh, afflictive or negative spaces. So that the, the breath, in a way, or your meditation topic, will will have a balancing effect. Breathing, sensation of breathing. 
if on the if uh, with after a while, if it, you know you can practice like that, but after a while the 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 extraneous or the the intrusive phenomenon seems repetitive, then again the general standard is to turn towards it and investigate it with mindfulness. So, in in a phenomenon that has many different aspects to it. Um, there's the physical aspect, has a particular form, there's the um, feeling tone, pleasant, painful, neutral, and then there's the mind state, the mindset that accompanies it. It could be depressed, it could be nervous, it could be fearful, it could be angry. Yeah, And there's a particular uh, mental pattern that goes along with it which is, um, you know, can be something like, um, you know, a lot of worry or doubt or grief even. So, um, these are the kind of things to investigate. Uh, and, and if you base it first to get a, if you, so you investigate that experience, it's first of all, to, 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 you need to build up quite a lot of mindfulness if it's something that's repetitive, then there may be a bit of um, karmic uh, propulsion there. Uh, so one should establish a lot of mindfulness to be able to keep your balance, keep your perspectives. And just relating to this in terms of, you know, this is a series of sensations, it's like this. And then the general feeling, say it feels unpleasant. Um, or, or there's a, or and then you look at that, and you you can, or you begin to contemplate that, and see there's the unpleasant feeling, and then there's the resistance to that unpleasant feeling, or there's the pushing against that unpleasant feeling, or there's the fretfulness around that unpleasant feeling, and trying to actually um, relax those activities, those mental activities around the feeling. Are you with me? So instead of doing all this kind of stuff around it, just there it is. Now that that may be that may be all that's needed. Um, and then the, the you know the unpleasant or the, the feeling just kind of being relieved from the pressure of your of your mind jittering around it, sort of just wells up, and you know has its say and then goes, and you know you feel quite relieved. It may at that point actually touch into a mental state. And the mental state can be the, you know, the the the, uh, you know, the thing in the background that the feeling is based upon. The mental state may be grief, it may be anger, it may be something, you know, like that that is actually buried or shadowy, and the body, in a way, retains these uh, impressions, these mind state impressions. Um, so you may find that a, a, a mood, you know, a powerful mood comes up in the mind or a memory or something you can't really explain. It's just some strange mood comes up. And uh, again, if there's, if there's mindfulness and that mood arises, all it needs to do is to express itself. And it, it's like just have, has to express itself. And, and so that one should... Uh, you know, establish the way of having a container 
that can carry that, that can contain that expression, so one feels stable and balanced, and the ability, the willingness and the ability to, to receive it. Yeah, some of these things last many years. I had something in my back for about five years, continually. So, uh, and it took about five years to... (laughs) But you're probably, but you're smarter. (laughs) Uh, I was quite stubborn about it, you see. I didn't want to bother with it. I kept trying to dismiss it and push it away. It was getting in the way of my practice, that kind of attitude. So it only takes, you know, it takes about five years before you think, oh, perhaps this is my practice. Uh, well, it depends. You can make use of it. I wouldn't say it's, uh, you know, an uh, uh, irreplaceable thing. It does. It's particularly I, I, if one if one is tends to be uh, very fuzzy and drifting, then it does pull pull you into shape, as it were. So that one tags a particular very brief, the idea is to just keep it very brief note onto what's, to a, a, a mental state that's arisen or you know, onto the breathing for example, just noting breath is a thought and just that activity of placing the, the note on that means that the, the outflow of that particular experience is checked so instead of it just rambling off you, you, you've cut it off with a little, with a little note um, so it, it can help to contain the mind like that. The only drawback is um, if one gets a bit note, note happy, and so <laughs> you start writing off notes here, there, and everywhere, and then writing notes about your notes and footnotes to the notes and note, noting your noting until it comes to the point when all you're aware of is noting. So it gets over, it gets overdone. Um, so if one uses it, one should use it for a purpose. When that purpose is achieved, then let go of it. And the purpose is to be to stop proliferating, to to sharpen up, to so you're not fuzzy, and to keep that sense of 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 mindfulness. It's an aid to mindfulness. Once mindfulness is established then it becomes, uh, the noting becomes superfluous and then it can be uh, relaxed.
Okay. Um, so, enough of that. Chant the, the sharing of blessings. of sharing and aspiration through the goodness that arises from my practice may my spiritual teachers and guides of great virtue my mother my father and my relatives the sun and the moon and all virtuous leaders of the world. May the highest gods and evil forces, celestial beings, guardian spirits of the earth, and the Lord of death, may those who are friendly, indifferent or hostile, may all beings receive the blessings of my life, may they soon attain the threefold bliss, and realize the deathless through the goodness that arises from my practice and through this act of sharing may all desires and attachments quickly cease and all harmful states of mind until I realize Nirvana in every kind of birth, may I have an upright mind with mindfulness and wisdom, austerity and vigor. May the forces of delusion not take hold nor weaken my resolve. The Buddha is my excellent refuge. Unsurpassed is the protection of the Dhamma. Solitary Buddha is my noble Lord. The Sangha is my supreme support. 